I got up this morning, I was sitting there thinking, oh, it'll be my good friends, and I'll just come, not prepared for anything, and we'll have a great time, and they know I'm always late. But um, there were a few frantics, like, are you coming? Are you coming? <laughs> so um, just just because I'm a flake, thank you so much, because it is hot flashy. And I will tell you that yesterday I had kind of a crazy day because um, this book thing is weird. And Jeannie and I sat at McDonald's, and, and I, the Lord must have put it on my heart that I was going to write something. We didn't know what it was. Yeah, and, and so it, it's one of those things that is like, what, huh? And hi, Jane, how are you? <laughs> Sweet Jane, who I owe you an email saying thank you for praying for me. Oh, I, oh yeah, that'd be great. I had it over there, and I left it. Um, so yesterday, thank you, Jane, um, I uh, had plenty of hot flashes because I got up early yesterday morning and flew to L.A. to get to be on Marie Osmond's show. Is that not hilarious? She is a little bit country. And let me just say, I, I am not a makeup person, which anybody that knows me, like, you're getting what came out of the bed a few minutes ago. And, and still nasty hairspray in my hair and gross disgusting funk that's still... I've, I've been washing my face like 15 times and I can't get it off. But And it took like an hour. Because you sit there and it takes an hour for them to make you up. My word. And I'm like, does anyone have a fan? Is it... Because they're like these little cute girls. And, and I'm like, is it hot in here for anybody else? You know? And so I'm like sweating profusely. And then I go on the set and it is like an icebox. Because Marie is in the same face of life as I am. So I was like, thank God for the air conditioning. Um, so anyway, I, I, you know, and I got on the plane last night and it wears you out just a tiny bit. And, and it's an, it's a, um, it's a place that I'm not, you know, I didn't ask for this. In fact, I begged to not have it. And, um, and I sat there with this lady right there who kept calling me saying, you need to write a book. You're supposed to write a book. And we were barely, I mean, we weren't like great friends and, and finally, one day she said, I don't, you know, I don't tell people this and I don't do this and, and uh, I can't let it go. And I was sitting there and I was like, well, is this an obedience thing? And she said, yeah, I think it is. And I was like, well, sign me up then. And that started the whole, whole road. And, and I think why it started is, um, and why this room is so f- full of people is because we are lonely, you know? We are on this trajectory in a very weird uh, mode in society. I had a mom last week that, um, that emailed me who had heard the broadcast on Focus on the Family and said, I have been so drowning in parental peer pressure that I haven't been able to breathe. And I was like, that's it. It's parental peer pressure. And, and it starts when they're so little. Because you get, you get that baby, okay, let's back up. When you're pregnant, you're, you know, you have everyone around you going, well, what are you eating? Are you doing, you know, have you, is it all greens? Is it now, now it's the smoothies. Are you green smoothing it? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? You have your baby and you're instantly pressured to be breastfeeding that baby. And so here you are, a brand new mother, knowing nothing. Well, maybe y'all know something. I knew nothing. I mean, I, it was like, oh my gosh, I was still sweating going, how did this happen? How did this happen? You know, as I have the baby and, and then I'm supposed to nurse him and I'm like, ah, who are you? And you're screaming all the time, you know? And, and it was very stressful. 
And when you're stressed, good luck with that. You know, I, I was convinced my milk was curdled all the time because I, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't breathe. And, and then I had postpartum depression before people talked about that. So all I knew is that I was crying all the time and, and I don't cry. I, I just, not that I have anything against it. I cry a lot these days because now I'm in this teen phase with a heart shredder that I could like be a puddle right now, couldn't I? Yes, I've puddled in front of you many times because they, they shred your hearts at different times. But um, I, it didn't help. When I had my kids, the, 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 the craze was growing kids God's way. And so apparently there was God's way to do it. And I was not doing very well because my baby didn't nap like that. And I, it wasn't like eat, play, sleep. It was like eat, cry, cry, cry some more. And then, oh my gosh, he gets in the bed and screams all the time. And, and, and people would say, well, you're doing it wrong. And, and it, could anybody say anything worse to a new mother? Seriously? And, uh, and, it, and it crushed me. And, but we weren't under these pressures now of, are you wearing cloth diapers or pampers? Because apparently you're going to get mean looks if you're over you know, at Ikea changing a, a disposable diaper. Because you should be going green. And you should be breastfeeding that baby till they're a year old. And you should be, by the way, if you're not, you should be making your own baby food because you don't want preservatives in that. And, and there it goes. Okay, so there's your baby. And then, and then they get to be little guys. And it's like, well, when did your baby crawl? Uh, mine crawled at eight months. What? Yours hasn't crawled? I had one that sat for 14 months. Didn't move. She sat. <laughs> She liked her little dresses and her hat, and she'd just sit there. And she smiled at everybody, and she was in the nursery longer than any other baby at Park City's Presbyterian Church. <laughs> and, so, and they all loved her because she did nothing except sit there. And, you know, if, it, if she had been my first, I can tell you, I would have more gray hairs than I do right now because I would have been like, something's wrong with her. She's not crawling, you know, because everybody's like, well, how are they crawling? Well, and what Mother's Day out are you in? Are you in preschool? Because if you're not in preschool, you're in trouble because they're going to be so, you know... They're going to be behind. And are they socialized? You know, it's like, do they, are you in playgroups? And how many playgroups? And then you get this weird pressure to, like, be in playgroups, you know? And, it, it's, and, and, there, and it continues. It keeps going, you know, because then they hit the age three. Age three, that you would be on a soccer team. What's up with that? Seriously? Because uh, what do they do? It's like the mob, you know, and then they kick each other, you know, and, and then you have somebody else pulling the other one hair. And then at the end of that, you have the coach standing there going with all the medals saying and standing and telling the great things about everybody. And they get to the kicker and the biter and they're like, oh, little Tommy, Tommy, you get the most spirited award. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yes knowing full well that the biting and kicking really wasn't very good. And all the other kids are going, what? You know, he kicked me and he hit me the whole time. And, and there in starts this very unusual thing we do in society right now. And we reward kids for very bad things because we don't want to hurt their self-esteem. You know, and um, in doing that, we're killing their self-esteem. We are literally sucking the lives out of these children. So this week on Monday, there was an article that was written on Fox News, and it was a, a, a that is kind of gross. I just did this, and it's like still sticky. Um, <laughs> sorry for anyone listening to this, as if, if anyone's listening to this on the tape, <laughs> you should probably go get Tim Keller or somebody good. <laughs> Okay, back on to what I was saying. Um, 
What was I saying? There you have it. Fox News. Fox News. Did anyone see the article? I know Julie did. Um, it, it was a, you talk about a heart shredder, that one cuts to the core because the guy, and, and if you don't have it, it's called Raising a Generation of Narcissists. You can look at Fox News, just Google um, Generation of Narcissists, and you're going to get your socks blown off. There are a couple of things that irked me. They had a video, like they did an interview with three uh, ex- not experts, just people to opine on it, you know. And and the part that hurt my heart so bad is they were laughing about it to a certain extent. And they were saying, these kids, you know, these kids these days, they're so, it's all about them. The world revolves around them. They are narcissists. They think they're owed everything and they deserve everything. And, you know, when I was young, I had a job when I was, you know, 18 years old and I was expected to work. Well, great, you know. And, and I, I always try to make sure that, that even though all that's true, even though this generation, the generation Y, which is now termed Gen Me, which actually is being categorized as narcissist, which, by the way, isn't funny. Narcissism is a clinical term, and it means that you are so self-absorbed that you cannot think of anyone besides yourself. And can we for a moment go down that road? Because if you are a narcissist, good luck with life. It will never go well for you, ever. You cannot be married as a narcissist. You can't. You can't have friends as a narcissist. A meaningful friendship will never happen. Good luck with work. You can't even get a job because you'll never be satisfied because you will always be sitting there going, thinking about yourself and how mistreated you are. And... Uh, if that's what we're grooming, then you go to what this guy was saying in the article, and he called it like he, you know, he called it out. And he said, by the way, we are grooming this. And, and these kids are getting it from every angle. Now, we, you and me, are in a different world than uh, mothers that are just 10 years ahead of us. Maybe 15, but probably 10. Uh, because... Ten years ago, there weren't cell phones that had data. Um, There just weren't. I got my first cell phone when my 16-year-old was probably five years old, and I remember driving on the toll road, and and we never did it because because I'm married to a missionary kid who uh, just can't handle... Uh, monthly expenses that aren't necessary. And, and I get, and you know, I'm so happy to have him because he's realigned my whole thinking about so many things. Um, and so I, I was driving on the toll road and I was like, what if I had an accident? That really actually, I would need a cell phone. And, and so we got one for emergency purposes only. And, <laughs> and we actually thought that was the case. And so we got on some plan where you paid by the minute. You know, you got a l- number of minutes and then you had to pay over. That didn't last very long because I went over every month. But um, there was no data on that phone. It was a little flip phone. And uh, uh, I for sure didn't know how to text. Well, girls, that's completely different. You are raising children in a really different environment. So am I. And um, so I have a 14-year-old girl. What did you do when you were 14? You know, did you stand in front of the mirror? Everybody does. Every boy does too, you know. And they stand there and they're like this and they're like, oh, and then they try on the clothes and then they're like, oh, maybe mascara. And they'll do this and then they look at each other and they're like, oh, yes. Uh, It has moved from the mirror to this. 
And what they do is they now take pictures of themselves, which, you know, it's like what we would have done when we were kids looking in the mirror. And we would walk away from the mirror, you know, and it would be like, and you left that in the bathroom, you know, Um, because that's just a part of being a teenager. Who am I? What do I look like? Everyone's looking at me. Am I okay? Am I okay? And, uh, and, and the answer is no, because when you're in that phase of life, nothing is good. Everyone's looking at you and everyone dislikes you. That, by the way, is just the phase of life. And, and, and it's really still in us. Because even as an adult, don't you feel that way some days? Oh, yeah. And so, but we, we mature and we kind of hopefully learn where to put that a little bit until parenting peer pressure enters and we're teenagers all over again. Because we, we live a little bit just like they do. They just live it raw. And so they do these little, they call them selfies, <laughs> which I didn't know until the other day because Lucy was taking pictures of herself. <laughs> and they're hilarious. They are so funny. And I, and I picked up my phone and it was like, you know, 50 pictures. And I'm thinking, could you do that somewhere else? And uh, she goes, oh, they're selfies. Selfies. Is that not so funny? Um, but when they do their selfies, they put them on Instagram. And uh, which is, does everybody have Instagram? Um, it's, you put it out there. They instantly are looking at this little button, the like button. And it's like, am I liked? Am I not liked? And this is what happens. Oh, people like me. Oh my gosh, nobody likes me. Oh, look at that party. I'm not in that picture. Oh my gosh, everyone hates me. And, and it's like, view, 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 view. But, and it's huge and then terrible and then huge and then terrible. And you do the same on Twitter, on Facebook. There's this social media part of their lives that is, going, is a part of everybody's life, and it is. Just like for my parents, it was cable television. That was introduced when I was a child. That's a part of their lives. For, the, for our kids, it's uh, gaming. You will have your children, I promise you, are all playing on games, with a tele- whether it's the Wii or something. There's something that is in their life, whether it's in your house or somebody else's house, and uh, it will grow. And it is a part of their life. Is it evil and horrible and terrible? You know, in moderation, no. We drove by the 7-Eleven this morning. There's a new 7-Eleven on the corner on the way to the kids' school. And on the, the big 7-Eleven sign, the, the, the gigantic signs at the bottom of it, the two top ones say Slurpees. And then the one on the right said uh, beer, and the other said lotto. And I was like, does that not say it all? I mean, that's really 7-Eleven right there. Now, is, and I was like, the Slurpees in moderation are not bad. But quite frankly, if you Slurpee every day, it's not going to be a good thing for you. And it's the same with the beer or the lotto. You know, it's like, oh, ah. But that's what this is. You've got something that will be a part of their life as it is a part of our lives. But how far are we taking it? And so we've got to groom these children to not let that dictate their self-esteem because it is so darn powerful. Oh, it is so powerful. Who wants their kid at the end of that thing? Because it will always lie to them. It will always say, you're not liked. If they get 100 likes, um, if they have 1,000 friends, are they friends? Uh, no, they're not friends. And that's what this guy says in the article on Fox News. And he calls it an epidemic. Because, and, and he calls it out on the mat. 
It's an epidemic that's leading, leading to suicidal and homicidal tendencies. And that, ladies, is not a joke. On the cover, the cover story of Relevant Magazine, which you'd be like, what's Relevant Magazine? Is anybody, does anybody know what Relevant Magazine is? Yay, I'm so glad. Because I had no idea because I'm not cool or trendy or anything. It's the coolest, trendiest magazine, and it's got great articles in it. What's the cover? Have you seen it this month? It's called The Epidemic That None of Us Are Talking About. Teen Suicide. Uh, epidemic? Why? Why would they go down that road? Because they're looking to the world, which they've been groomed to do since they were little bitty when that coach, when they're three years old, is saying, well, let me tell you why you're good at all this. And let me tell you why we never keep score. Because we don't want anybody to have their feelings hurt. You play baseball when they're little kids. Has anybody seen parental guidance yet? It's so funny. Um, it's so funny yet so true and let's laugh at it but let's quit you know or at least figure out how to live within it without letting it rule us and so since I have the you know I've got a 16 year old a 14 year old a 12 year old a 10 year old and a 5 year old so I um, have my foot in this other world which leaves me weak I mean it, it really does because I can't breathe I know we're going to get on the other side of it, just like when they were toddlers. I knew we were going to get on the other side of that, but what's the best way to do it? And I I sit there going, what is it that takes my breath away? You know, why is it? Why is it that we care how long we breastfeed? Does that really, is that a gauge of how much you love your child? Not, Not so much. Why is it that we care what preschool they're in so desperately that we would go stand in line starting at three in the morning to get into the right preschool? Does it really, is that a gauge about how much we love our kids? Not, not so much, you know? It really isn't. Why is it that we would fight over ourselves to get in a gymnastics class with the cool kids? Uh, whatever that means. Or in the carpool. Or in, I, I mean, could we go down the list? I know at your table, and I really want you to think about this. Because I think it's very critical to, to call it out. What is it that I'm so afraid of? You know, I'm afraid of being left out. I'm afraid of my kid getting left behind. I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Let me tell you, I could stand here for probably an hour or two or three or four saying, you want to know what I'm afraid of? Here's really what it is, okay? And I, I really do want you all to sit for a minute and think about that. And as we do, and, and I think it's an important question to ask because it takes us to that road of uh, getting to where we need to be. And that is right smack dab in the presence of the one that says so many times and so beautifully, don't be afraid, for I'm with you wherever you go. Those battles that I've set before you, I've already defeated everyone on the other side. And get a big fat load of reality dose so that when our kids are quaking in fear, which they do and they will, Pretty much at every crossroad, they are trained to lean into him rather than to look around. Um, And that training is hard. Who's a marathoner in here? Who's a runner? If you were going out to run a marathon, would it be very helpful for someone to go do all those miles for you? No. 
No. Could you run the marathon? Probably. I mean, really, I had a friend, Stevie Shirley, who uh, I worked at Canacuck with. <laughs> okay. He's so funny. When, when some people were running the white, this was years ago, decided to run the white mark marathon, he in his flat tennis shoe, tree-torn tennis shoes was like, I think I'll go do it. And that guy went out there and ran the marathon in tree-torn tennis shoes. And he did it. Now, he could barely walk the next day, <laughs> you know, and there were, his feet did not look very pretty. But um, I, I, don't, I, I would put money on the fact he's never run another one. And he's probably never forgotten it. Because there's no incentive to run again because it hurts so bad. But if you have trained, if you have methodically put in those miles, it makes it easier. And especially when you do, a hit, when you do your hills, you know? Hills are great because they hurt and they're painful and, uh, and they increase your mileage. You go out and do a flat one and you can run like twice as far. And uh, it's the same thing in life. So when you hit those, those, those phases where it's like, oh, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, this is so hard, go, it's a hill. This is a hill. And if I run this hill for my kid, when they hit it, they will not be able to do it. They will totally be atrophied. Uh, my, my sweet husband, we were at the most hilarious uh, white elephant party. Uh, with, it, was, it was hilarious. Uh, hilarious in a, just a weird way. And he, one of his uh, colleagues was sitting at, the, at our, our table with us. And we didn't know the people very well. And so John threw out the question, what's the most interesting job that you've ever had? And one of the gals sitting there said that she was a dog groomer. Her parents owned a dog grooming shop. And so she did, she groomed dogs when she was a kid. And, and he said, what was the weirdest thing that happened? She goes, you know, there was this one lady that had this dog and she loved that dog so much that she held it all the time. And she said, it was the strangest thing, but that dog couldn't walk. Is that not convicting? I hope it's convicting. May that be convicting. The dog could not walk. A dog that dog was made, created to run and play and do all kinds of things. But because that dog was so loved, can you believe that? To never walk again because she had held it too much. I hope that convicts me. What was that lady afraid of? I don't know, but I can go down my fears and tell you. And this competitive, funky, weird environment that we live in fuels those fears, by the way. And they're all lies from the world, by the way. They aren't truth. None of them are truth. Um, and and you'll, you'll go down the road. You'll, you'll have people hit you with all kinds of things. What school are they in? What team are they on? What college are you going to? And thus you have these parents who actually go on job interviews with their kids now. Over a third of... Uh, it's staggering, isn't it? Over, and there's, there's a new study. There's always studies. And the latest is that um, over half of the kids that uh, look for jobs, their parents are involved in the process. A third, a third, the parents contact and do all the communication with the human resources department. And 3% of parents actually go on interviews with their kids, actually sit in the... Can you imagine... Would you ever do that? I, it's easy to go, <gasps> because who in this room would have ever had your parents involved in anything? I mean, were we not running from them going, it's none of your business, you know? And, and uh, it's, it's kind of changed. Let, you know, but for the grace of God go I. 
If we are ingrained when they're little bitty, we will not be able to let go when they're older because they will be like that dog and they won't be able to walk. You want to lean in. I need to lean into the failures. I want the failures. I want them to be left out. I want it to be hard. And I want to be there to say, you can do it. By the way, this is my little mantra. You can do anything you put your life, your, your mind to. And, and then I started doing this ridiculous experiment and I was like, man, I say that a lot, but I must not mean it because I race in and do it for them all the time because I love them, because it's easier. You know, all kinds of these great excuses that I use, which we all do. My word, that bed, you know, this morning my clock did something weird. It, and so I <laughs> woke up an hour early. It was so hard. And I was thinking, my gosh, it's dark outside for, for 10 till 7. And it was because it was 10 till 6. But I, I went and woke up the, you know, the kids and I, I go in and look at my little 10-year-old. And you know what he had done? He had made the bed right after he got up. And I was like, God bless you. Get back in that thing. And, um, <laughs> but it was so sweet because years ago, I couldn't have cared less about the bed because what difference does it make? What difference does a bed make? Not much, but it teaches them something because that is their space. They're responsible for their space. If they can do the little, they take little bites, just like your babies. You don't give them solid food to begin with. You give them little bites of something that's already been chewed or pureed so that they can eat. And it's these same, these little things in our homes that seem like they're ridiculous actually aren't at all because it's teaching. And as much as you got them shoes that were very, you know, flexible when they very first started walking, you do the same thing. And you put shoes on their feet to teach them how to be responsible so they can, guess what, be independent. Because God has uniquely gifted every one of these kids in here. And by the way, he didn't choose somebody else to have these kids. He chose you because you are uniquely equipped and gifted to love and train these kids. And training never is and never will be doing for them. Training is teaching and getting out of the way. And, and then setting the bar high because they thrive on high expectations. They crave it. Now, let me just say, they whine about it and complain the entire time too. And, and uh, oh, how I wish. You know, yesterday when we're sitting on that set and, and Marie's like, and this is Kay Wyman, she, the experiment to rid her home of youth entitlement. And I was like, ooh, rid is not the right word. You know, I'm like, we haven't rid it. But we're, ste- you know, I mean, really, who, who can? But we are stepping in the right direction. <laughs> it's so true, you know, and, and that's okay, and that's good, because we're all messing up and going, and I'm sorry, oh, this is right, keep going. And I'm going to tell you, it is so much easier to do it when they're little. It is so much easier. I, as I was taking a shower I was thinking about my one that does shred my heart always, and maybe he's there to keep me humble or let me realize always that I'm not in control. I remember when he was born, the screamer, and I remember holding that baby crying, going, I know I'm not in control. I know I'm not in control. Please let it stop. Please let it stop. And I sat in the shower going, I know I'm not in control. I know I'm not in control. Please stop. And... uh, Maybe it will or maybe it won't. Um, And I thought about that kid. 
And some kids are just going to be more challenging than others because some have extra challenges, okay? And uh, that's part of life. It just is. And what a blessing in a strange way to let those challenges be okay. I have sat there thinking, uh, couldn't it be diabetes? You know, couldn't it be something that we could get help with rather than something that doesn't have clear definition that, um, that is different and not, as people would say, normal? Um, and yet I know God created that kid to do something special if we can live through all this. And I thought about uh, the, our yard. We just moved, but our, our yard before had these amazing trees that dropped thousands of acorns, huge acorns. And if we took our uh, rakes out in the fall when they were falling, and we'd rake them up and bag them and rake them and bag them and rake them and bag them, it was easy to pick them up. By the spring they would sprout into little little trees, really. And if the ground was wet and they hadn't embedded very deeply, again, they were harder, our fingers were sore, but we could get them up, okay? When they get like this and their root goes like that, it's so hard to get it up. And I was sitting in the shower going, when they get to the teen years, the roots are like this. You still have to clean it up but it's harder and harder and harder. So might we start when they're young, knowing that those things are going to come in those teen years, but it, but it may be like with the ground wet, you know, where you can pull them up and your fingers are sore, but it's not year. And, and really don't let it go to adulthood, which is why this, the Fox News guy could write that article, because it has gone into adulthood for so many. The root is so far it's almost impossible to get out. But we can't quit, and we can't give up. How long do I get to talk? I'm so sorry, because I'm, like, not even... How? 11.30. 11.30. Okay, I'm going to keep going, because there is something I really want to tell you all. And it goes along... It really does go along the idea of this fear that we deal with, Okay? Um, in this training ground, one of the secrets and what will get you out of this incredibly terrible funk and the self-absorption, you know, vortex that is literally sucking people and their lives out of their people are these beautiful ideas that the Lord gave us when someone came to him and said, what's the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? And what else? Love others, Okay. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love others either as you love yourself, which, you know, it is just a lot, or as I have loved you, which is catastrophically a lot, okay? And that is the secret of life. It just is. And he said after that 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 encompasses all the commands, all the law of the prophets, do you realize how much the law of the prophets is? Because we might like to compartmentalize that into the Ten Commandments and make it seem like that would be simple. Um, 
go, go spend some time in Leviticus just for a minute, and you'll get to see what the law of the prophets is. And then you go to the fact that that law is what draws you to Christ because good luck with that. You will never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 ever be able to take care of the law of the prophets. And so if Jesus is standing on the earth giving this little secret, it's huge. And so in training our kids, that's a big thing. Love others as I have loved you. Now, if anyone has multiple children, you have that in your house all day. You know? and, and if your kids can serve each other, they can serve anybody. I mean, really, do you still sort of struggle serving your siblings? Maybe I do a little bit. Because I still get in there and I'm like, what? what about me? But what about me? But what about me? Because we're all geared towards that. But what about me? But I'm left out. I didn't get invited to that birthday party. They got invited to that birthday party. How did I not? And my kid's good enough. Why didn't you invite me on that team? You know, keeps going. And uh, if we can really start saying those words and mean it, it's, uh, I told the kids, one of the kids the other day, I was like, the three most powerful world words that you can have in your vocabulary um, because she was in this vortex of talking out loud of teen funk. And uh, I was like, it's, I'm happy for you. And she looked at me and she was like, uh, that's four words. And <laughs> so they're going, oh, I guess it is. And I was like, but it doesn't take away from the fact how powerful that is. I'm happy for you. And meaning it, like actually saying those words and meaning them, give as much life to your kid as they do to you. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. And it breathes life into everything around you, not just yourself, but for the person on the receiving end. I can't tell you what it does. It's crazy, crazy great. Here's, uh, we'll get a little word in here now because that's, this is really where it goes and it's everywhere do you ever open your Bible and go, I needed to hear that today, that just that one thing? Well, guess what? It wouldn't matter where you opened it because you're going to hear exactly what you need to hear because it's the same thing everywhere. It's this beautiful message, I love you, love others. In Matthew 25, this is the parable of the talents. And I'm just going to read it to you because I find it so interesting. Again, this is Jesus talking. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to, other, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. All right, so who's sitting there going, I hope I'm the one with the five. Did anybody just do that? <laughs> because I would, that's what I would do, go, oh man, I hope I'm that five one. Um, and that's pathetic. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the man of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, so see, I've gained five more. And his master replied, anyone? Well done, okay? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. And you know what? He says the same thing that he said to the guy ahead of him. 
You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Sidebar, the five gifted person and the two gifted person receive the same reward. It doesn't matter what somebody else's gifts are. It's equally as important. What a gift to give your child who might think that having 500 likes is what really means you're doing great. It doesn't. It didn't out of the mouth of your Savior. Okay? Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not got scattered seed, so I was afraid. And went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And I think this is what happens when we don't equip our kids to be able to do what they were created to do. It hides their giftedness in the ground. What a shame, you know? His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I haven't gathered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So though the first two, two servants had different amount of gifts, the reward was the same. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I mean it and I'm celebrating it because you are using your giftedness to the fullest of its ability. Let me not focus on you and what I don't have. Let me just do the best with what I've been giving, trusting that my Lord, who is God of all the universe, knows well enough to be able to entrust you with what is good for you. You know, because that's really, if I'm talking about my fears, I've got to go to that place where I might admit for a minute that I think I know better than God. And uh, if I can go there, that'll snap me out fast, you know, because I don't and I don't want to. Who wants to? Don't you want to have faith in the creator of the universe to actually know enough to have given you exactly what you're supposed to have, to do what you are equipped to do, not what the mother over here is equipped to do, but what you are equipped to do. Never going to the well that will say to you, you you have to be doing this, you have to be doing this, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing this, but always going to the well that says, come to me, I'm sufficient. I give abundant life. And by the way, if you come ask me, I will never ever give a rock to the child that has asked for bread. Okay? That's your father in heaven. Do you believe that it's true? If you believe it's true, get in his word and be filled with his truth because these waves that are going to hit you, they hit, they hit hard, and you don't want to be doing this, you know, the whole time because your safety in your sanctuary is saying, it is good with me. Rest in me. Eyes here because guess what? I don't operate like the world operates. I don't think like the world thinks and I don't act like the world acts. Stay with me. Okay? So that's one thing. Are we teaching our kids to go to him and look for him to play for an audience of one? That has such powerful legs on it, so much more powerful than when we were kids because when we were kids, 
like Marie Osmond. I, I loved Donnie and Marie's show. I, I loved it. I watched it. And, and I loved everything about it. But I can tell you honestly, never once in my wildest dreams did I sit there and go, I'm Marie. You know, I'm going to, because who had a karaoke machine to think you were a hot singer or who was filming you, you know? Well, kids are doing that all day, every day now. And so what we would have been, what we would have appreciated in other people, our kids think they are. Um, not, not like they're going to be, but that they are. And so um, to explain to them, by the way, you do not have to perform for these people. You perform for one. Might have a lot more meaning than it did for us because they are saturated in that. When you have Honey Boo Boo, you know, on TV, it's like, well, if that kid's doing it, why am I? Why don't I have my own show? Well, I've got to have my own show. You know, it's, it's a different, the boundaries are very different. And so this message, audience for one, scream it, scream it, scream it, scream it. You know, I'm happy for you. I can be happy for you because I'm playing for this one over here who loves you, who created you, who gifted you. If, if we go that way, it, it takes our thoughts and it goes, zoop, and it, it takes it and puts it right on him to where you actually really can celebrate other people because he created them, because he's using them to further his kingdom just like he's using you because guess what? You're a daughter of the king. You are a daughter of the king. When I, I, I had to go uh, tape the Focus on the Family stuff in, uh, right after Thanksgiving, Right after Thanksgiving. You know, aren't holidays so fun? You always walk away just the tiniest bit raw. Um, and and I, I gifted myself a night at the Broadmoor, which, let me just say, is like butter. It is, I, I, I tell you, I, I was so happy I did that. It was the best money. I, I, I was like, John, this is my Christmas gift. Thank you for, you know, you don't have to buy me anything. And it really wasn't that expensive. For that night, you know, it was a special, I guess nobody goes. Well, of course nobody goes then because it's freezing cold. And <laughs> I mean, I walked into that hotel and, uh, and they say to me, I get out of the car. Well, first of all, there's a guard. You drive in and they're like, well, hello, Mrs. Wyman. They said it to me at the airport because there's a person at the Colorado Springs airport. There's a little Broadmoor thing. And they're like, Mrs. Wyman. We're so glad to have you. And I'm like, what? And, and I drive up, and, and the guy's like, we are so happy to have you. And then I drive up to, to park my car, and the guy opens my door. Mrs. Wyma, we are so thrilled that you're here. And I'm like, who? Me? You're happy? I go to the desk. Again, same thing. And they give me the key to my room. And I go into that room, and I swear to you, I, I felt like I was at Versailles. It was like crazy. There was this bed, and it had like this canopy over it, and, and, and everything in it was just, it was so luxurious without being weird and over the top. I mean, it was just like, like beautiful. And I sat there, and I was like, I, I, and I am a geek. And I was like, I think I feel like a princess in here. Is this, because it was like the bed, the chocolate, you know, and, and I know I'm not, if you could experience, I mean, really, if you could have seen it, it was so great. I mean, everything about it, the, it was so wonderful. And as I looked at that, I, I really sat there thinking, in earthly terms, this is pathetic because so much more is waiting for me because I am 
because I forget sometimes that my father is the king of kings. And I might believe the world that's telling me all the time, you, you need to stay in Motel 6. You know, that's where you belong. Um, and not, not tasting for a moment the beauty and the luxury and the, and the fact that you are royalty. Do you get it? Do you get it? For a minute, lean into it. And then go, oh yeah, my dad, that's, that's who he is. That's, by the way, whose name is on your forehead. I said that to one of my children the other day. She's afraid that she might do something that would make her not a Christian because we were talking about Katy Perry. And I'm not saying anything about Katy Perry. I was just trying to explain to my daughter that I'd prefer for her not to listen to her music because she has songs like, I kissed a girl and liked it. And, and I'm sitting there going, you know, if you sing that all the time, that'll normalize it. And then, you know, it's just bad stuff. And, and she said, but she's a Christian. And I was like, really? And she said, well, her parents are Christians. And so she's a Christian. And I said, Lucy, you know, she very well may be a believer. The songs and stuff that she's doing are not good. And um, so I, I probably wouldn't do that stuff because it doesn't make the Lord happy. And she had that moment. What am I going to do to make the Lord unhappy? Can I fall out of his grace? Because we all go down those roads. And I said, honey, he's got his name on your head. No one can touch you. Nothing you can do can get you out from under his wing. You are his. You're his. You're his. So are you. You are his. His name is tattooed. You got a big tat that no one can see except everyone that you can't see. So, don't forget it. Don't listen. Don't, you know, don't listen to that stuff. It's a waste of time. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid for I'm with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid. I never tell you to go do something and leave you hanging. Try to find that in Scripture where he told anyone, you know, I need you to go over there. Happy day. Good luck with that. He never, ever does that. Ever. He doesn't do that as a parent either. Don't be fooled. He just doesn't. Keep your eyes on him. Don't look at the other one. Do y'all remember when Peter and John, this was after the Lord had come back, and Peter, he's telling Peter what he's going to go do, and what does Peter do? He looks over at John, and he's like, well, what's he doing over there? Do you remember that part? And, and the Lord says to him, what difference is it to you if I took him home right now? I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about you. And it's very, very, very important for us to know that and for us to train our kids to know and long and hunger for that. To get up in the morning and not to be able to go on unless they've gone and they've been fed from the well. Keep your eyes on him. The social pressures just don't matter. Resting in his giftedness. Looking at God and not those around us. Taking captive our thoughts and making them obedient to him and not the world. And by the way, he does that for you. You can't, good luck, you know, if you're like, I got to take captive my thoughts, I got to take captive, it won't happen. I mean, within seconds, it will be, well, for me, it, let me just rephrase, it never happens for me. I try, and they're like, everywhere. He does that too, which is amazing, okay? To say and eventually mean the words, I'm happy for you. To flesh out and get to the bottom of why. 
Why am I compelled to tell of my accomplishments? Why do I not turn in my homework as a kid? You know, get those kids to understand why. Why do they struggle with insecurity? Why do they think about themselves all the time? Whether negatively, which is pride, when they think terrible things about themselves, I'm not as good as so-and-so, I can't do that like they can, my grade isn't good, my whatever the drawing isn't good, the teacher didn't put my drawing on the board, you know, all these kinds of, he got chosen to be the line leader today, why didn't I get chosen to be the line leader? You know, it's incessant. Something's wrong with me. My hair doesn't look right. My teeth aren't straight. I can't run like they do. All these things, thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. It's all pride because you're thinking about yourself, you know? And to train your kid to understand and recognize that's really what that is. And then go to the bottom of it. Why am I afraid? Because we really probably aren't getting to the bottom of the fact that he has got us covered. And here we're going to go to another little Bible story that I love. There was a king in the Old Testament whose name was Hezekiah. And this, this little story happens over and over and over and over again, too, which I just love. But I just, I, Hezekiah was so beautiful in so many ways. He was a, a king who sought after the Lord. And uh, he was a king that faced the threat of a very, very evil tyrant named Sennacherib who, who, who left a wake of destruction and bad destruction. You know, he would definitely be up there with a Hitler. He would definitely be up there with a Hussein, with, a, with Mao, because that wake of the people that he took over, it was brutal. He did very, very, very bad and wrong things to the societies that he captured. Everyone knew it. No one could stand in his way. And he comes up to Hezekiah and he's like, I'm coming for you. And uh, Hezekiah said, but my God will protect us. And he said to Hezekiah, you think your God's going to protect you? Have you seen what the other gods have done for these people? Good luck with that. He actually says, good luck with that in the face of God. What an idiot. You know, really? Clearly he had no idea who he was messing with. And Hezekiah in the most beautiful thing, um, took a letter that Sennacherib sent to him. And in, his, the, in the letter, this is what uh, Sennacherib said. Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of the other lands? Were the gods of the, those nations ever able to deliver their land from my hand? And one of his commanders actually stood in front of the people of Israel and said that. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says, the Lord will deliver us. <laughs> and you know what Hezekiah did? He took this letter and he laid it on the ground. And he went prone in front of that letter and gave it to the Lord. That's what he did. And it makes me think, what letters of the world am I reading today? Because we get them all the time. You really do. What am I reading? You know, if I don't do X, they won't get into college. If I'm not on this team, they won't have any friends in high school. Have we not heard that one? If you're not, you know, if you're not on the team by such and such, they won't have any friends in high school, then they'll be losers and they'll go the golf road and then you're totally lost, you know? Um, if, you know, if she isn't included in this dance or whatever it is, she will be an outcast. Um, I, really, we could fill in the blank for everything. Um, Hezekiah tore, this is from scripture, when King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes, put on a sackcloth, and went into the temple of the Lord. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers, he read it, he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And he said, O Lord God Almighty, God of Israel, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made 
heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. And there you go. Do I do the same thing as Hezekiah did? Am I training my kids to do that? To look and trust that audience. And then you can go to more scripture, Isaiah 40, because here's an answer. And this is a quotation from the Lord. And the Lord God said, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired, and his understanding no one can fathom. Okay? And then go on. I mean, you could really, you could do this all day. Head on over to Isaiah 43. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When, not if, but when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames won't set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He's told this story over and over. This Hezekiah one three times verbatim in Scripture. It was in Second Kings, Second Chronicles, and retold in Isaiah. There's a reason for that. He wants you to know because it's true. Joshua 1. Here's just one more example as we think any fears of this world have any founding. They don't. The Lord said to Joshua, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Isn't that beautiful? Can we just for a moment, I know he's talking to Joshua, but can we for a moment put yourself into that? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people, your little kids. You're leading them. Be strong and be courageous. Into the land I swore to the forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. He had to say it again because we, we, we aren't. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Okay? All the law my servant Moses gave you, which we know what encompasses all the law, you know, to love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love others as I have loved you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go because that's the secret of life. Do, and, and, you know, you sit there and go, seriously, there's a secret of life. I think it really actually is. You know, I'm not saying it. He says it. And, and it's one of those, it's like, is that the secret of life? Ask and try it. Try it, you know, because it really actually could be. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on, meditate on it day and night so you can know who he is so that you may be careful to do everything in it. And know that you can't do it without being fueled by him, okay? Um, Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Three, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Because he does it through you, okay? I have, I gave, and I'm sorry. I just didn't expect so many people to be here. But on your table... Is this uh, is a little card and and look at it uh, before you go. On it it says, "Who is your Sennacherib?" Okay, and and just you know you can take that for yourself. It's worth chewing on. I chew on it a lot actually. 
Going, what am I afraid of? Who is it that's coming after me? What message am I listening to that's false, that's bringing fear to me? And then I wrote, and what are they telling you? So that you can write it on a piece of paper, which sometimes helps, and that you do this, okay? And you lay it before him. And you say, here, here it is. Help me. On the bottom of this is a picture, and it's really... It's, it's hard to see because it really is just what it is. It is a picture. There's two. And um, there's a, it's hard to tell what it is, but if you look, there's a girl that's behind someone that's in front of her, and they're crossing a stream. We, um, my family, we go to Arizona every Thanksgiving with my entire family. I have a brother that has seven children. We have five. I have another brother, three, and then a sister that comes with her husband. They don't have any children. And, um, and uh, we've, years ago, we had to move into two houses because we just couldn't fit in one. There's 25 of us. And this year, we decided to drive to Sedona and go hiking because when we were younger and we did I didn't even have children at this time we we went to Sedona and went hiking and there's this beautiful trail because there's a lovely canyon that goes in that part of the of the of the state and it's really spectacular because you have the canyon walls just towering above you and this beautiful stream that goes through this canyon and it's like a soft bed that you walk on i mean it's just it's so beautiful and we were like, let's go do that, because we all have such fond memories of that. You know, a hike is a bit of a stretch. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful trail walk, you know. And, uh, and so we were so excited. We got in the car. We drove up there. And um, we, we remembered the hike, but we had kind of forgotten that there were 14 stream crossings. And in our family, my brother has two children that are blind. And uh, we hadn't really calculated that in. Until we got to the streams. And sh- the, the boy is just, that kid, he, he has got the neatest things in store for him. Their son, who can't see, uh, up until last year went to Canacook every summer. And he was the only cousin that ever jumped off the scream and high dive because he can't see how high it is. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he's so proud of it. And... Uh, he loves dodgeball, never could understand why he was the first kid out all the time. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I wish I was. But, but that's, it just, he's like, bring it on. When his brothers were learning how to skateboard, this kid did the same thing. And those little, you talk about crushing, it's hard to watch a kid come in from skateboarding that can't see any cracks. And skateboards aren't forgiving. And so he just, from head to toe, scabbed. And finally, he quit with the skateboard. But he didn't see, you know, so the streams, he couldn't have cared less if he had fallen 50 times. It just didn't matter. But his sister is not quite like that. And so she crossed the first stream, not, you know, because we hadn't really told her there were a lot. Our hearts all sunk when we got to that going, oh, we didn't think about that. Um, And then we got to this one. And this one was big, er, you know, it was probably about that deep. But streams, they have slippery rocks, you know. If they're not out over the water, it's like, vroom. And so Lucy and I are like, in fact, when on one crossing, my nephew was behind me, who's 20. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing because I was like, and he's standing behind me like this. And I said, I'm so sorry you had to see that. <laughs> And I was like, and your Uncle John actually went hiking with me on this, and he still married me. And he was like, that's hard to believe. So (laughs) 
this child is standing in front of that stream, and my brother walks up to her, and he says, put your hand right here. And she does, and he does this. Right, left, right, a little slippery, left, right. And you know what she did? Boop, 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 right over. Didn't say anything like, I can't do this. Or, that's too hard, I'm going to fall. Nothing. I'm telling you, I got chills even thinking about it. Because I sat there and watched that. And I was like, that is my Lord with me. Do I do this and go, here we go, left, right, left, right, watch out, a little, little slippery, watch out, there we go. And on the other side, do I stand there paralyzed going, that water, that stone slippery, I'm going to slip. I, I do that. I'm telling you, I do. I stand at the edge of the stream, looking at the slippery rocks, going, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. It's going to hurt. I'm going to get wet. It's cold. I'm going to be wet and cold. That little girl, slightly inspirational. There was no fear for her because she didn't see the water or the rocks. She just saw her father, who she knew loves her so much that if she fell, he would be there to catch her but that she could trust him to get her to the other side. Anyway, take the time to write it down. What are you afraid of? Are you going to put your hand on his shoulder like sweet Maggie did to my brother David? I hope I do. I hope it's a reminder to me every day because the world is going to suck the breath and the life out of you. And as we are trained to not have the life sucked out of us, might we be training our kids, letting them lean into it to not do it either? Um, anyway, that's what I've got. Let me pray, and then any questions, and forgive me, as always, for talking too much. Um, gracious Heavenly Father, your word is powerful and your word is strong. Thank you that we can open it at any place, any time. And that it gives us life. It's soothing. It puts wind in our sails. You are always there. You are always faithful. You are always there. And you are always faithful. Help us to just know that you're the God that created everything. You know every thought of every person. You know the depths of the oceans that we can't even see is your creation. Everything, everywhere is yours. Help us. Because we feel inadequate. Help me, because I feel catastrophically inadequate to do what you've put in my lap to do. And I hear the words of the world, and I hear the sounds, and I see the rocks, and I see the water. And it scares me. Because if it was just me falling, I'd take it. But to have my kids fall, it takes my breath away. Help me to know that you love them more than I do. Help me to train them so that they really can be warriors for you, for your glory and for your sake alone. For you alone are worthy, Lord God. You alone are worthy. Uh, We just give this morning to you, and thank you for the opportunity to be able to even think about what you have for us. And may it give us power and strength as we go through our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, any questions? And you can ask anything if you have any questions, or maybe you don't have any questions.
I talked too long. She left. Do y'all have any questions? Yeah. Is this on? Oh. Um, can you, uh, just, I know a lot of people here didn't um, hear your talk last time or haven't yes. read the book yet. Can you just give one quick story about something that you um, did with your with your kids, either like the birthday party or the drain or and just something like you really learned and saw? Something for, um, on the book, what I did is, um, you know, the book really, the whole thing is about, uh, taking things off my plate and putting them on theirs. And, and I, you know, I didn't do it to write a book, by the way. I, I was mad at my kids because there was one too many dish out and one too many bed unmade and one too many junky junk on the floor where one of my daughters actually said, and, and I mean, I couldn't walk through a room. It was unbelievable. The piles were everywhere. And it made me ill even opening the door. And, and she's like, my friends love it this way. And I'm like, what? And she goes, yes, they love to come over in my room. I'm <laughs> thinking, nobody wants to be in this mess. <laughs> She's creative, so whatever. And, um, but it was just all those straws that one fateful day that I think they could go back. There were too many. And I was like, I'm done. I've had it, and it's over. And, and I had started this blog, the Moat blog, uh, for mothers of adolescents and teens, because stuff's, you know, I, I needed this this when they're older and you know my neighbor doesn't live the old lady is in the assisted care facility um that parenting peer pressure is funky and so people aren't real friendly about making it okay you know and and we're everybody's driving everywhere everybody's so busy good luck with that too and i was like i'm i'm dying because I don't know if I'm doing this right. And I, I, you know, not that there's a right way, but really, there are regular things in life where someone could say, by the way, this is normal. When your two-year-old is screaming and throwing up tantrum because their cup is blue instead of green, that's regular, you know? And by the way, don't pay attention to them. Oh, and by the way, it, it lasts for a year or two, you know? And then they will come and you go, oh, thank God. And so when you're in Target and they're like having an embarrassing episode for you, every, every other mother, is like oh so been there and then I you know I'll never forget Priscilla Shire said that one time she was going through Target and and she has four and they were all doing it and some lady came up to her and said oh honey enjoy it while you've got it you blink and it's gone and she said I was standing there going like this you know (laughs) and uh, because that mother everyone knows but when you're in the throes is it bad or what it's horrible and so I needed, I needed that for the teen people, you know, to go, oh, it's regular when they go lock themselves in the room and never speak to you. Or, you know, just even the other day, I was talking to one who, uh, you know, the eye doctor had said that he needed his glasses upped. And he's like, no, I don't. And I'm sitting there going, what? And he's like, well, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And I'm sitting there going, she's a medical professional. How do you know more than she does? Well, that's that weird teen weirdness, you know? And so, but for someone to say, oh, by the way, yeah, that's that weird teen stuff. Then I go, oh, okay. Instead of thinking, oh, something is really wrong with this person. And, And so that's why I started the blog to have people guest blog about those things because you know, they've walked the road and they can say this is regular. And it was that fateful day that I thought, no, that would be funny if I put, you know, put everything back on the kids' plates and blogged about it. And it was, it didn't take long for the epiphany to hit that uh, every time I take it off their plates, I'm telling them they can't do it. 
and I'm solidifying all the bad things they think about themselves, I'm actually solidifying that rather than building them up. And so we really did methodically went through every month, and I picked things that I wanted them to learn in my house because, you know, in other people's homes, you got stuff down. We didn't have anything down. So we had to start with beds and uh, with just picking the stuff up off the floor. And we provided incentive and did all kinds of things, which, which, um, which you could go on the Moat blog and read the whole thing. Or you could, you know, read it out of that book and get the whole story. At the end of the day, we realized there's a lot of things that we did bad and some stuff we did good. Well, that was terrible English. And... Uh, and I am not an expert at much. And there's a lot of stuff that I didn't even know how to do. So like when we hit the yard, the month for the yard, I, I kill everything. I still do kill everything. And so, and so we were at Home Depot buying stuff for the yard. No, I made the kids. When the new yard month came, we, I took them all to Home Depot. And there's hilarity everywhere because, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be in counseling the rest of our lives because the, the conversations are just so darn funny. That, and, uh, and I know they're the same in everybody else's car. And so it's all, it's, I, I share all that. But we get to Home Depot with all of them because I wanted them all to know that flowers just don't appear or that, you know, you know because I think they think that, that it just happens. And, and that there are actually things that grow well in the shade and things that grow well in the sun. Quite frankly, I needed to know those things too. So we get to Home Depot and we're going through the, you know, I, I let them choose it all, which is very hard to do, ladies, because let's just say it doesn't look very good in my mind. Well, okay, it didn't really look like I wanted it to look. It looked beautiful, I'm sure, in their minds. So, so as we're checking out of the of the place, and we had we tried to get some guy to help us, and he was terrible. And while we're talking, Jack had taken a cart and filled the entire thing with seed packets because I wasn't paying any attention to him, because he is a hoarder. He's terrible. He just he's like stuff and he's just like and uh so the whole the whole deal was hilarious and we're checking out and the lady says to me she seriously said this uh you might want to keep your receipt and i'm sitting there going what and she goes well you can keep the receipt and and i was like okay and she said even if they die you can return them and we'll replace them and i was like wow i really didn't know and then she's like i think you need to keep your receipt And I was like, oh, well, great. It's obvious that we're going to kill everything and have to come back. I mean, she was just so funny. And, and so there were, the, you know, there were times that it was really great, and there were so many times that we messed up and had to start back over. Um, if you want to know how powerful it is, there's one story in the book that really is, it's just one of my favorites. And it's not about our family. It's about some friends of mine, and, and the dad is... Is uh, he's a tough guy, relatively speaking, for these days. He would have been regular, you know, 40 years ago. When his kids are four, they're out doing the stuff with him in the yard. He made them build their own treehouse. He made them do the yard work. It wasn't uh, just activities to do it. And I think that's important for your kids to know because they think, you're making me do the dishes. Well, guess what? If the dishes aren't washed, they aren't clean, and then are, are you going to eat on dirty dishes? I mean, there is always a reason for the work. They think it's work for work's sake, but it isn't. And we know that, but are we teaching them that? And uh, it hit me one day when we walked into the grocery store with my 8-year-old, whose turn it was to cook dinner, and I realized I had never shown him 
the grocery store. Had he been in the grocery store a lot? Yes, and and I actually had hired babysitters here and there to sit in the car so that I could run in and out of the grocery store. Isn't that pathetic? I did. Our neighbor would come <laughs> just so I could get in and out. And uh, and as we're walking around, it dawned on me he didn't know anything, and we started talking about the grocery store. You know, the cold stuff is all around, and in the middle, the man-made stuff is on those aisles. That, you know, the fresh stuff on the outside, frozen in the middle, man-made in between. And and as he gets to the butter, because he was buying butter, he got to make brownies that night. He looks at it. He's like, "Why are there so many?" Well. Why are there so many? There's a gazillion. Do you ever look at that? No, because it's just a part of your life. There comes an economics lesson right there. Because I could say, there's different makers. Do you see how they cost different amount of money? If you buy this one, this is organic, this isn't organic. What's organic? And there goes lesson after lesson of what I had avoided because I just didn't have the time. I don't know. I don't know except that it was so much easier to not do it. And, and so by the time this kid had rounded the entire corner and done everything and he's loading his goods onto the conveyor belt, the operative word was he is loading his goods because he had owned it. The grocery store, you know? That's where, it, and, and, and it was one thing after the other. I was like, oh, I didn't know. Ooh, I didn't know. And, and I've apologized to them countless times, as I continue to do, because I, I just, I, every day I'm doing something that's completely messing it up. And uh, I had realized how ill-equipped they were. It is, it's very important for your children to know how to shop. It just is. The day will come when they will have to go to the grocery store and buy their own stuff. Uh, we offered financial incentive. Marie asked me this yesterday because it's a, it, you know, it's a sticking point. You know, why did you offer them money? Why'd you give him money? We did it because we needed a big old jump start. And I had a friend that had done it. It sounded good to me because, you know, it worked in her house, which I think is sort of how we live. What works in your house? Is this working for you? It's living together in community. And uh, she, she told me this system to put jars and put money in the jars and uh, take the money out every day. They didn't do something. And so we did that. What, uh, what are the great things about that? My kids learned about money quite frankly. And, and it's very interesting to me, and I keep learning things, because we are becoming a cashless society, uh, which is not helpful, honestly, because it's not real. It doesn't seem real unless you're holding it. And it's amazing when they hold the dollars, and when they have to pay with dollars, they get it. And so even one of the kids wanted to go to Michael's to buy some, um, that Crayola magic stuff, you know, the gushy white stuff. And he went in there and you know, they have the big box and they have the little packets. Well, the little packets are more expensive than the big box. If you look at how much is in the little package. Okay. So this kid, because it's his money, I didn't say anything. And this is my, this was, he was nine at this point. He is sitting there calculating out the number of packages that would go into the big box and how much it would cost him to get the same number of packages as it would the big box. But the big box wasn't there. They were out of the big box. And, and so he comes to me and he's like, what am I supposed to do? I'm not going to pay all that for those little ones. And I was like, go get the guy. Go ask the guy. Ooh, you know, because they might have to talk to somebody. Uh, which, okay, here are the legs on this thing. Because just in this one example, you want to see the legs? 
You bet he has to go talk to somebody, which is exactly the problem with texting. They don't ever talk to anybody. They don't like to talk to anybody because they might be rejected or whatever. How important is it for you to get your kids used to talking to people? Because if they live in that world of texting only, super dangerous, complete isolation, not real, not real. They'll say things they didn't mean to say. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. So there's the legs on that one. And by the way, the guy at Michael's, he's a tiny bit scary looking. I mean, like, really scary looking. And he actually, he's so nice. But he is really scary looking. And that was the only guy that this kid had. But I'm telling you, he did not want to spend his money on those three things. And so, guess what he did? He went and got the guy. The guy was so amazed that a little kid came and asked for help. He dropped everything he was doing. And he was like, let's look it up in the system. They look it up. Well, they're here somewhere. He comes over and starts looking. The boxes aren't there. And he's like, my goodness, where could those things be? And he's, and he's like, oh! and they're up on the, like, at the t- highest part of the racks. So he's like, little man, I'm going to get the ladder. And so he goes and gets the ladder. He puts the ladder up. And, and there's, there's Brock standing there. And he, Brock's holding the ladder. The guy's crawling up the ladder. He comes down. And, and this guy is doing everything a mother would want him to do. Man, that's amazing that you went that far. You know, that is so great you figured that out. Because that guy is a person. You know, because I think we forget that there are people all around you. And, and he's like celebrating this little kid who was brave enough to come ask. And you know what it's doing for my kid? Vroom, vroom, vroom. So that when he gets the next thing that's harder than going and asking the Michaels guy, he's got some good ground under his feet. And he knows the Michaels guy is a guy instead of a scary looking person. Because he had to cross that boundary. And once that man was going, man, you're a good little kid. I can't believe you're doing that. It became a person. And all the judgment that he might have had about the way that man looked on the outside. Are we talking legs here? This is one trip to Michaels. It's, it's like that all day, every day. And that's what's in your house every single day. You've got to slow down, you know, slow down to see it. You've got to slow down to do it. And then pull all those lessons in. So we're in the car leaving, and it's like, were you all scared of that guy? Oh, my gosh, we've been so scared of him. Did you realize how nice he is? I had no idea how nice he is. And you know what they started doing? They started praying for him. I, and I'm not saying, listen, listen, there's no holy over at our house. It's interesting to me how the Lord will move kids' hearts. Because he does. So get out of the way on that one too, you know. And, um, and then the kid's sitting in the furthest back seat. And he's looking at his receipt. And he's like, man, the tax. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And I'm like, Yes. And, and do you know what? That lesson means so much more than me saying to them, well, I'll buy it for you today. But I just want you to know that it costs more than it says on the top. You know, we have to pay tax too. Because we are far side cartoons to them. You know, it's like the dog. Blah, 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 blah. That's what they hear. And, and I've had one actually say it to me. Mom, all I ever hear is blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, I can't believe you just said it. I thought it, but I didn't know that you really heard that, you know. 
And so good, good stuff just in and of itself. Now, the story about this family that's crazy. If you want to know, do you want to know what's on the other side of this? This dad who has been labeled as mean, harsh, requiring way too much of his kids. And, and, and it's true. Every, I, I, have, I have hurt for the wife at times going, man, because on Saturdays, his kids did not get to go play. It, you know, if they had a sporting event they had to be to, they, they, they could go. Never were they allowed to go over to friends. I mean, they were like cleaning, building, cleaning, cleaning, doing. I mean, you na- I swear the guy made up things for these kids to do, uh, except they were part of maintaining their home. So his oldest son, they always had to have jobs in the summer, which is hard for a kid to get these days. He had a friend who, was a, um, who, who does drywall, you know, the tape and bedding and stuff. And so he put his kid and a kid's friend on that crew. Of, I'm sure it was tiny. And for the summer, they drywalled and taped and bedded. And at the end of the summer, the dad looks at the kid and he's like, you know, I don't really like where our, uh, the wall is in our dining room. In his dining room. And he said, I think I'd like it. You know, let's do an opening here and move that over here. You do it. So he tells the kid, you do it. And guess what? The kid did it. And you know what? He didn't do it perfectly. And the dad's like, later tells me, he said, you know, every time I look at the the bumps or anything in there, I love it because I know he did it. And you know what? That kid too. Every single time they sit in that dining room, which they do all the time, that's his wall. Oh, wall. He was 14 when he did that wall. Okay? So let's fast forward a little bit. He is 17. He's a senior. Goes to St. Mark's. He went to St. Mark's. On the, and he's, a, he's a great kid. And he was on student council. And uh, the summer's coming to a close. Things are starting to fire up. The dad's like, man, you know, I'm tired of... They didn't have a sprinkler system. I'm tired of moving the hose around. We need a sprinkler system. Go do it. A sprinkler system. And the kid looks at him and he's like, what? And, and he's like, uh, I've got stuff that, you know, that's happening for school. And he's like, I don't really care. You, uh, you can YouTube it and, or you can go to Home Depot, but good luck. And, so the, and, and the kid knew the dad wasn't going to back down because he never had. And so he's like, okay. So he gets in his, his beater suburban um, and which was, and, and by beater suburban, I am so not kidding you. And that's, you know, and it's the beloved car at St. Mark's because it is, they call it the whale because it's the cruddiest, oldest car. The windows don't work, you know, nothing. And he drives over to Home Depot, says to the guy, I need to put in a sprinkler system. And, and the guy walks him through it. And, and, you know, the kid, Will, kept going back and going back, rented the machine to grind up the ground, every bit of it, okay? And, and his dad is, you know, later as we talk about it, you know, is kind of thinking, what's the worst thing that can happen? He could hit the water main, which really would have been the worst, on the grand scale, you know, really, because I think you kind of have to do that. What's the worst thing that could happen? Okay, he could hit the water main, and that could be expensive, and he could totally mess the whole thing up, but if he messed the whole thing up, what would the guy be doing? Hiring somebody to come do it, which he would have done anyway, all right, and so in his mind, he's like, let the kid do it, so the kid's out there busting his tail in August, in the, doing something that he doesn't know to do, which, who do you know? in your life that has ever put in a sprinkler system. 
Nobody. I mean, really. And so it, he's, he's working away, sweating, and, and he looks at his watch. It's time out. To, he had a meeting he had to go to, so he jumps in his car. He runs over to St. Mark's for the this, this student council meeting, and they're, they're all dressed in their dapper little polos and stuff. And he walks in, grungy and disgusting, and uh, they're like, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm putting in a sprinkler system at our house. And they, the boys are like, what? And, the, and the, the guy that was the head of the school was there, as was the dean of the students. And they didn't believe him. They did not believe him. They thought he was lying. And so they call the house. Sure enough, he is. And, um, and it went through the school because no one believed he was doing this. And guess what? When he finished, flipped that switch, and do you know what happened? It worked. Every time they put that sprinkler system on, that's Will's sprinkler system. All right, let's fast forward, because you want to know what happens with a kid like that? Fast forward a little bit more. He gets into UT, and uh, he calls his dad one day, and mind you, he went to St. Mark's, okay? And his dad let him play football one semester because his dad didn't like football. And uh, he played soccer. He's, you know, he's just a kid, because at St. Mark's it's small, and you can play every sport, and, I mean, it's not like the winning the state championship of 5A football in Texas, all right? It's just a, a little school. So he calls his dad, and he says, you know, I think I'm going to try out for the UT football team. And his dad's like, no, you're not. Well, yeah, I am. No, you're not. Well, I really want to. And he said, if you do it, I'm, you know, you're going to have to take care of school yourself. I'm not going to help you out with school anymore. And uh, I don't want you trying out for that football team. The kid's 18 by this point, okay? And he said, you know, Dad, I understand you, but I really want to do this, so I'm going to. And that's fine. If you don't pay for, help me with school at all anymore, that's fine. I'll take care of it. And um, because this kid is infused with, I see mountains as opportunities, not as obstacles. And he tried out for that you for the University of Texas football team. And do you know what happened? He was a wide receiver. He made it. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Do you know what? If he hadn't made it, wouldn't have bothered him at all because he tried. There was nothing that was insurmountable in that kid's life because he had already been trained and tasted and lived through stuff that no one does. Things that... The sprinkler system, he's 17. He'd never done yard work, you know. But it didn't matter because that's a gigantic, ginormous mountain. But it went, Voop, because that's what happens. And I have watched it. I have watched it even with the little things like the laundry, you know, with the dinner. I cannot tell you how confidence-infusing making a meal is for a kid. It's crazy because guess what? Nobody else is doing it. And, and they kind of really love having a mean mom. Um, they do. And, and so might that be a little bit of wind in your sails to start it, start it when they're young. Do this with your bar. Never let the bar be where they are. Do you thrive on high expectations? I mean, just for a minute, take it back to you. You know, if you, if you volunteer for something on any of your little parenting things or anything anywhere, where do you like to volunteer? Do you like to volunteer where someone says, here's your job? And it may not be something you know how to do. And they're like, go handle it. And then they, they let you go handle it. 
Or do you like working with and for the people that are like, here's your job, and you start working on it. They're like, here's your job, and you start working on it. And they're like, oh, oh, um, okay, here you go. And they're like, nope, nope, and they keep taking it. Is that not the most miserable thing ever? I can think back to bosses that I really did not like working for, and they're the ones that always took the work back and redid it. Wore me out. It was like, do it yourself. Don't ask me. And then it's like, oh, is that what I do to my kids? Maybe. Just a little bit. All right. What else? I think we have time for one short, quick question. But the question may be short. The question is, will Kay be short? (laughs) (laughs) And we know that answer. I'm sitting in a group of women that read the whole book together. Oh, y'all are so sweet. We've met you at Jane's house. Anyway, my question is, it's hinted at in the book. Can you speak to the role your husband played and that you hint at him not always being on board and how did you manage that? in showing to the kids he's respect. still head of the household, yeah. respect. You address it in the drain story. Yeah, that drain but story. overall, could you speak to that just a little bit? Well, and, and I hope that you, and, and y'all would definitely say, it is the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, it isn't. And I hope that's the case because if there's any truth in there, it's not from us. I hope that the truth is something that we all go to and that it's the Lord's truth. And that is a... John, um, quite frankly, God bless that man. He really just puts up with me, you know, because it's one harebrained idea after another. And, uh, and I really do buy into the submission thing. And, and by that, lest anyone be like, um, I, I buy into the submission because I really believe it's submitting to God. And if I can go that way, then it's very doable for me. It takes my breath away, and I can tell you, even at this little snapshot in our lives, it's been so hard because it hasn't been good, and I haven't trusted the leadership. And I think that would be—I think I could say that with John standing here, Um, you know, really and truly, because there's some things. It's like, did I just say that out loud? Um, Even though it's true, I don't want to disrespect him by saying that, and I don't, because I'm with him. And I told the Lord when I said I do, I'm with him, okay? Um, sometimes I think that we look at that and we think it's about obeying him. And I tell my kids the same thing. You aren't listening to me and you've decided that I don't know what I'm talking about. And I get that, you know? I am your mother, though. And God didn't mess up by making me your mother, there's something you have to learn about him by me being your mother. And, and so in those tough moments, I sit there and go, he is over me because it's ordained that he's over me in the same way that I am ordained to be over my children. doesn't have anything to do with my husband. Not one. I have really decided it doesn't have anything to do with him. And it has everything to do with the Lord. It is so catastrophically hard for me to submit to my husband because... I don't agree with him a lot of times. And I really actually think it's wrong. The drain story, the drain story, in a very short little, if I could do that, um, uh, one of the months that I wanted to have was a handyman month, and I really wanted that for my boys, kind of along the sprinkler thing. I can't tell you how envious I was listening to that story. I, I was like, oh, my gosh, let that be my house. And, and it isn't my house. My husband would never let our kid do that, ever. 
For example, one of the little tasks that we did was the kids wanted to take the rocks out of our front yard and sod the yard, you know? And I'm like, yes, they'll sod the yard and see it every day, just like that sprinkler. He wouldn't let them. He, I, I don't know why, but he said no. And there he comes again. And I'm like, have you not been watching? It's like, do you not get it? And then I go, it doesn't matter because this is who I'm serving, not this. This is who I'm serving. So when I can't breathe and I'm like, oh, the kid drain. My, oh, one of the kids had, you know, just in the way that they do, he had, that drain had to have been clogged for months because by the time he told me, it was flooding out over onto the floor and the lip on the thing was like this. So, I mean, it was like every night, I'm sure. And when he came to tell me about it, we were in our handyman month and I was so excited because that's like a genuine handyman thing to get the drain snake and learn really how to, you know, pull whatever's out. And everyone needs to know how to use a drain snake. I'd never in my life seen a drain snake because the plumber always came to our house. I, you know, I'd never saw my dad do that either. And, and, uh, really a drain snake doesn't cost very much and accomplishes great things. And, and so I'm like doing a little jig. I'm so excited about it that I might've been excited in front of the other children who were very excited about it until John was not excited about it and zipped the snake, except I had a hard time with him zipping. And, uh, all the kids gathered in that little bathroom to watch their father snake the drain and proceed to say to the oldest one, why don't you do that? And his mother may have slightly pushed him going, get in there, do that, to a glaring husband who was like, didn't I say, don't do that? And, and then the kid says out loud, what, what I really do think they, uh, they think every time we race in and do it. He said in front of his siblings, I can't do it. I can't do it. Maybe when I'm 16, I can do it. No, maybe when I'm 18. No, maybe when I'm a man, I'll be able to do it. The, it makes me sick even thinking about it now. And you know what? It made me so mad at my husband. I really had a hard time talking to him for about a week. Because those, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, do anything you want to me. Really? Don't mess with my kid. And I had no idea that I'm a mother lion like that. But I, I am. I was thinking the other day, because we are in, the, in a phase where it's not great right now. And I had a moment of like, do anything. But if you come near my kid, I, I am going to devour you, you know. And I don't think I'll regret it. Because we're raw right now. And I don't want anyone touching my kid. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get through that too. I think, isn't that phases? Um, so I had to come back to him, though, at the end of that and apologize because I hadn't acted correctly. And I went back to this, what am I afraid of? I was basking in fear, but not in trust. One thing about the Lord that's very consistent is a word that none of us like, and it's called patience. We don't like it when we want something, but we love it when it's added to the slow to anger part. Because I'm glad he's slow to anger, you know? Thank you that you're patient and waiting for me. Thank you that you're slow in getting frustrated with me. Help me to be as grateful in the I want it right now. 
there's good stuff for me to learn and all that, how to submit to God, how to trust God, how to know that he's got me covered when the world is doing this, how to stay in the eye of the storm because in the eye of any storm, what is it? It's calm. Nothing's moving in the eye. Does it change the destruction path that's around it? No. Does it change the pain that's associated with the destruction path that's around it? No. But it is always safe and peaceful because that's who he is. And when I do that with my husband in those hardest of times, really my love for him actually grows. And more than anything, my intimacy with my Savior grows because that is really putting meat on the bones of believing what you can't see and trusting in what you only know, you know? And that's faith. And that will always bode well for you because this, you know, my girls love, at our school, they take a measuring tape and they put it from one end of the gym to the other and uh, as like a, a, an illustration of what time is. And then they take like a tiny little speck, like a paper clip, and put it on the line. And they say, this is your life in the, in the spectrum of eternity. And, I, and, and they, always, they come home and they're like, wow. And I sit there and go, wow, that's so true. Do you want to know what won't exist when you're with the Lord? Faith, you will never, ever have the opportunity to have it again. Because when you see him, you will know him. You will know it all. And when you see him and know him, it will take out of your relationship with him the element of faith. And there is something that we get to know about him that the angels will never, ever know. Because they've never had to have faith. And is that not some wind for your sails? to lean into that yuck, to say, please bring the intimacy because there are aspects of the Lord that we get to learn about him now because we can't see him. And take the eternal perspective. And uh, it, it just, it does a lot. And maybe that's the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is a picture of my niece loving her dad. Um... She didn't take his, her eyes off of him. And I, I just, I think that's a big part. And, and isn't that beautiful? And then I go, thank you for submission to my husband. Really. Thank you. And I'm glad you asked that because I needed to hear that today. Uh, because I need to go, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. Because mind, take captive my thoughts. I mean, it all works together. Take captive my thoughts. Not, don't let them be so self-absorbed and going, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. You don't see how bad it is. Step up and be a leader, which is what I want to say to my husband sometimes. And it goes, no, 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 he is a leader. These are his children. These are his children as much as they are mine. He is uniquely gifted to lead and love my family because the Lord has, we stood in front of him and said, we are... This is us. And he's like, great, you're about to get to know me. And I know. I love you guys. Thank you for letting me come unprepared. (laughs) Thank you, Kay. Um, I'm sure everyone in this room would say, don't go anywhere. Don't. (laughs) Kay. What? Am I going somewhere? No, I want to tell you something. What? So look out in this room. 
This is just a small portion of the people that are grateful for your obedience. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. You guys have fun. Have a great week. Thank you.